0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Okay, welcome to Unlocking Astrology with Samuel Reynolds, the unlocker himself. Unlockastrology.com is where you can find him. Uh, today, first of all, thank you. Welcome. Uh, I appreciate this time, and I appreciate the time before I hit record, you know, where we have these... Uh, conversations about life and people mm-hmm. very interesting which is what this this whole journey is is about you know we're just talking about people wedded to things wedded to ideals and not uh discovery of self like you know and if you strip away their their title or their organization or you know their group they're nothing right and and i think everyone should ask themselves what are they outside of those things and if the answer is i don't know then that's the pursuit right including
1: in terms of signs you know some people like don't know how to find themselves beyond like what they learned in terms of one marker like oh i'm an aries or i'm a you know i'm a taurus or i'm a pisces um you know part of this work is doing the active exploration to see what other things can offer like astrology you know beyond just what you've heard or seen or what you've been warned against.
0: Mm. So there, there are people who, again, they they consult their charts every day. They, they go, they have an astrologer. I was watching Tina, uh, Tina Turner, the um, the documentary on HBO Max, wonderful, and because she participated in it, and she said, you know, she consulted her psychic because you know she kept being asked this question about Ike. And she was really upset about it. And somebody approached her about doing a book. And she said, she consulted her psychic. And the psychic was like, do it, do the book, because that will open and that did open up. That brought the movie. It was a best-selling book. It it shaped the, the next phase of her life in a way that was, you know, incredible in terms of you know blowing her up even more. And um, I was thinking about when she said that. I was like, Nancy Reagan had a psychic and an astrologer, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about that in the past. So who are they consulting and what, you know, how does this all work exactly? Well,
1: obviously a psychic is gonna be different from an astrologer, but like, yeah, Nancy Reagan had Joan Quigley, um, who was, you know, the family astrologer who also consulted for the president. I mean, now this is well documented, even though it was well suspected, you know, cause Reagan had like his first inauguration at midnight or some weird time. Um, not the presidential button, I think it was really the gubernatorial one when he was in California. Um, so he had long been consulting with astrologers, and then there are other notable people who have had astrologers. Um, Sylvester Stallone has an astrologer, his mama. Vin Diesel has an astrologer, his mama, right? Elizabeth.
0: Wait, their uh, mamas are astrologers?
1: Both of them. Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: Wait, Stallone and Vin Diesel's mothers are astrologers?
1: You got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, that that helps. I'm sure it's been helpful, definitely, in Stallone's career, right? But, I mean, the big name that had an astrologer that I, I kind of reference is Queen Elizabeth I. So, you know, the Virgin Queen, right, who was known as the Virgin Queen for multiple reasons, including being... A Virgo, right? Had John Dee as her astrologer, who kind of dictated the time for when she was coronated, who dictated the time related. And now this is very significant in understanding astrology, astrology's place in history, because it's Elizabeth the First who sets up what becomes the British Empire, right? Um, so this is the moment with this small isle comes to have dominance related to the continent. And when I say the continent, I mean Europe, right? That goes into these other things. So this is during the time of the Spanish Armada, you know, all these different things where we have the tide of history changing, where British comes to rule the waves, right? So when we understand that there are various people who have astrologers, you can see why it's important, I think for people of color, which is why I've mainly serviced People of color for all these years to have an astrologer and also to call for more people to study astrology so they can also do it. Um, Because, you know, there have been these other people who have been benefiting from quote unquote psychics and astrologers and, you know, all kinds of different work. Um, Yeah, I mean, these are just some examples. You know, there are other people who, you know, talk about the Rockefellers having astrologers. there are some of my clients who will remain nameless, obviously, who have astrologers you wouldn't know.
0: We, we've talked before about, you know, Black people, uh, of course, our aversion to, you know, sat- satanic things and <laughs> idolatry and, you know, because the Bible is very clear about steering clear of divination sure. and all of this. So so we have a spiritual battle that we're going with because many of us are devout in our understanding of religion at the same time have this vast history of consulting ancestors and consulting the stars. You know, you, you've said in, in previous um, discussions that we've had about the three wise men, what were right. that? you know? And so I think a lot of this for, for me, as well as cracking the myth of religion and seeing where, you know, we're not using our full tool case you know, using all of the tools in our toolbox because we've been stunted on purpose, I believe, and we have such a narrow view of spirituality. What do you Correct. think?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. I think that's often what has happened. And like I said, there is a caveat where I do think, you know, some of the religions, especially the Abrahamic religions, have a suitable um, mm, argument you know, against astrology, which is like, where you come to venerate other things more than your relationship to the divine and where you have more faith in those things, then that's a problem, right? Um, so if you're reading your, your horoscope and more fearful related to your horoscope than your prayer life or your relationship to prayer and not using the horoscope as a possible guide for how it's working with your prayer and working with your understanding, I think that's a problem. Right.
0: Talk, talk a little bit about that, because I know you're you're uh, you a practitioner of following. Yeah,
1: I'm a you know I, I practice a religion. I'm not someone who's against organized religion, but I have been that, so I understand that sentiment. Um, what I would say is that no, you don't have to lock yourself into an organized sensibility. But one of the things, one of the benefits of a quote-unquote organized religion, is that it helps with your sense of accountability, right? In terms of because you can be spiritual and make up all kinds of stuff that allows you to misbehave and mistreat people. Some of the most ratchet people I've ever met are quote unquote spiritual people who have no organized religion or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they also have no organized sense of belief or treatment of people. Um, And again, I don't want to say that if if you're along one trajectory, one or the other extremes, but let's be real about what can happen. So in terms of dealing with prayer and, you know, whatever spiritual practice you have, whether it's meditation, that becomes the essence of getting to know yourself, getting to know your divine self, being in that reciprocity. I see astrology as a tool related to that in terms of cementing a greater understanding of the cosmos and things at work. When I was an atheist, and I was an atheist for a number of years, I mean, almost over a decade, when I was an atheist, I do believe it was astrology that kept me attuned to the possibility of the divine, right? Wow. Because seeing things consistently in my studies of astrology that were uncanny made me realize that this goes beyond the limits of my understanding, right? That, and this is where we talk about, even as the Bible, you know, we're lean not unto thine own understanding, right? This is where you kind of tap in. And the, the, the miracle, I would say, often of astrology is where it does open up things for you and doesn't just lock you into to fear and whatever. Now, if you're seeing an astrologer or reading an astrologer that continuously locks you into fear and rather than your faith, then that's a problem. You know, and I think it's more so where you I'm not saying that you always have to go with a happy go lucky. Everything's going to be all right. You know, optim, you know, overly optimistic astrologer or whatever, but it's it's or astrology, it is recognizing that it's walking a line. You know, as we say in Islam, you know, there's that, you know, know, in terms of walking along the the bridge um, that takes us into paradise. You know, so it's the same sensibility of recognizing how you walk along your path of faith. So I think astrology can be instrumental in that because even Jesus's life started with like people coming to him based on the faith of following stars
0: i know we're going to get you're going to break down the different types of astrology but as you're talking i'm also you know i'm thinking for you you know that walk to faith came because you you saw the possibilities through astrology right um a a person that is consulting an astrologer what what process should they you know how how do they because like when i go to the doctor there's a certain part of medicine right now that I'm distrustful of because I feel like you don't have a job if I'm healed right mm-hmm. once I'm healed I don't have you know we, we have our checkups of course right. but medicine is made in the sickness so we have drug companies right and it's like okay all these side effects I take this drug now there's all these other things and I got to take this medicine to combat these things so that the business of medicine continues right mm-hmm. so I'm I'm a little cynical about the medical yeah. field you know. So I think, as an astrologist, if you have helped me solve some problems in my life, I don't have to come back to you. So there's almost kind of a, a built-in stringing along, you know, either of optimism or pessimism that will get somebody back in, in front of you to be diagnosed with what to do next. So is there a point where you can, you know, provide a prescription, and folks don't have to come back? Well. I
1: think the natural prescription is what someone is going through at a particular time that compels them to see an astrologer, right? I always ask my clients, basically, what do you wanna know? What's important for you to know during this session? Because I go with the presumption that they have some burning need for why they booked this session, spending their ducats to talk with me, right? Because unlike a doctor, Right. Which is where you have to be essential, deemed an essential worker. An astrologer is not necessarily an essential worker. So for them to have the extra ducats, because I don't always go with the assumption that my clients have a lot of money and many of them don't. You know, some of them save up. I also have payment plans. So some of them are working to me, you know, see me on a payment plan, which is not extra. It's just dividing it up by three or two months, you know, in terms of seeing me. Um. I go with the assumption that they're trying to work on something and the length of what that something may be could be just in terms of a year or a few months you know a particular time frame I do say yeah come and see me you know six because people like well how often should I see you some people see me six months to a year but I don't go with the assumption that they have to right so it's more so conditioned by what's happening in their life some people are like as I said, feel a certain way or they're wondering about the nature of relationships. Some people are listening to this show and have been listening to you or listening to me on your show. And like, I'm just curious. So in terms of understanding, and I think what I hear in that curiosity is that, you know, I feel somewhat out of alignment with my intuition. I just want to hear what someone else might say. And they might say like, yeah, this is spot on. That's what I was thinking, blah, blah, blah. And then they feel better, where they feel connected. And sometimes it's also true, they like, yeah, nothing that that, that that mofo said to me made sense. You know, I don't think I get that often, but that can happen where it's like, yeah, I mean, that's it. I, that That's not my thing. And I don't see that person again. I mean, those things also can happen. So I think it is different now. I will say on an unethical scale, it is possible for an astrologer to string people along, right? And I think that's where we do get into questions of ethics and problems. You know, you might say, like, well, how? Well, it can be, you know, where they drop something near the an astrologer drops something at the end of a session. You know, we've been talking about something like, well, we could be talking about your love life, but we're at the hour now. So well, you know, maybe you need to book with me another time frame and then we could talk about your love life. Right. <laughs> I think that's grimy, right? That's, you know, That's not what I do, but I mean, that can be done. And I've heard about it being done, right? Um, The temptation is there when you're learning and you're getting out there. Of course, you have the mind like, oh, wait, I could do this. You know, I've done phone lines. I know how games can be played. And so when I send phone lines, you know, those psychic hotlines and different things like that. Games are played on there like that. I think that's where people have to be aware. You know, I'm being strung along, you know, given breadcrumbs to kind of lead me along towards something. So, people have to be um, cautious, aware. I mean, maybe this is a good thing to talk about before we get into talking about even astrology. How do you know you're not dealing with a hack or Mm. dealing with someone who is just, you know, full of BS? Well, a couple of things I tell people to look out for. One, um, look out for references, you know, or people who have talked about this other person. And you have to go beyond just what is on your social media. Right. Because you can see a lot of people who are active on social media, but, you know, they've only been on social media for a year. And, yeah, they have high praise and they may have a website, but who else is talking about them? How much do they know? You know, who who has seen them? Right. Um, Have you seen them in action? You know, do you check them out on their YouTube, whatever? So I think it's important to pay attention who's been out there. Right. And who's referencing them, who talks about them? Um, I think that's something to, to look at, you know, for instance, with myself, I've been on Twitter for, you know, 11 years. Right. So, if anyone, you know, if you go, you can find all kinds of dirt on me if it's dirt on, you know, it, on Twitter. But I don't think you're going to find it. Right. There are more people who reference me in those particular things. This is true for some other people, you know, notable astrologers, notable black astrologers from Sagittarian mind, a friend of mine to, Mecca Woods to Janelle Belgrave, you know, we reference each other, we support each other. We're not in competition with each other, right? So you want to look for that. Does this astrologer spend more time bad mouthing other people or being self-defensive and protective, um, and talking about other things rather than you know related to like things that they normally talk about, you know, positive things or informative things? So I think these are important things to to look at. You know, I have a blog post on this too. I probably we'll send the link to you so you can put it in the in the chat where I talk about how do you find a quote-unquote astrologer or psychic or other person so you don't get scammed
0: love it and and that should be the hallmark of everything like protecting people
1: because
0: mm-hmm. uh you're in a in a response you're, you're responsible you know the bible says to whom much is given much is required uh-huh. and then you're held doubly accountable woe to the teachers and you know. the you know it's like yeah you're in a position where you have to be impeccable in in, in terms of how you deal with people because the uh, enormous amount of responsibility because people will trust you
1: exactly you
0: know so and
1: i value that trust and i think that's what someone should look for do they show it, that they value that sense of trust you know there was an astrologer who was big in the early day of twitter early days of twitter who, you know, created a PDF um, with a a, a password, you know, and then kind of put it out there. And then she, when you opened it, she talked about other people's charts, right? Wow. Right? That's grimy. That's bona fide. You know, she's one of the few astrologers on Twitter I've ever gone after like that. I was just like, that's low, you know, to talk about someone who trusted you. Right, with their information about their issues in a public arena. Right. So that's what you have to, to look, you know. But this is someone who also complained about like, you know, I'm tired of being responsible for people's secrets, then disappear, then go away, stop doing the work.
0: Hello. All right. So what, what kinds of what what are there three types? I think three types? Yeah,
1: No, No, there's more than that. It's all oh. kinds of. So yeah, I want to talk about. So what most people need to know, I mean they know that there's something called natal astrology or horoscopic astrology, which is, you know, there's all fa- fancy names for words, the um, where you talk about a birth chart, basically, which is what you mostly have seen me do on your show where someone gives me their birth time, birth data, right? Um, and I talk about their birth chart. So this is the most popular form astrology of astrology. But there's also horary astrology, which is not conditioned on your birth time. It comes from the time when an astrologer understands when you have a particular question, where's my watch? I lost my watch. I lost my dog. Right. I lost my kitten. So this form of astrology is called horary astrology, where I can create a chart from, you know, the time I understood or have learned about your question and use that chart as a guide towards solving a particular issue that you may have or question.
0: So when my dog disappeared, Tippy, when I was 10, I could have come to you? Yes. And and asked you, did my mother sell Tippy, or did someone literally come into our yard right. and kill her? You could have answered that for me?
1: Yes, that's what Horary can do, yes. Still,
0: still a burning question, by the way. Right. Okay.
1: It has to be a, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, maybe we'll come back to that, but yeah, it's a, you know, and you use the right phrase that we use. It has to be a burning question. And it has to be a question. There are a lot of different conditions related to the question. Um, and when I say a lot, not to the point where I can't do some of the things I said, but like people ask, you can't, it's not appropriate to ask a, a horary astrologer, like did the prophet Muhammad talk to the angel Jabril? Right? That's not, that's not something that, or to ask like, if you're not playing for the Eagles, right to ask like will the eagles win tomorrow now some people do disagree with me on that some astrologers but it's more so what are burning questions for you that are happening that are impactful for your life right and ideally in the ethical sense it's things that are more related to you when i say that so like i don't th- i don't think it's a hor- proper horary question to go to an astrologer and say like is my you know the person I'm having an affair with going to leave his wife, right? Oh, I get questions like that. I've gotten questions like that um, where people are like, you know, they've even been able to volunteer and give the wife's information, like birth information, right? So, so I don't think that's ethical. So it's, it's more so in terms of horary, you know, like you might say, like, am I on the proper road to develop this, a relationship with this man? even though he might be married, whatever, this is like, whatever, but that's about you and him as versus drawing in an extra her, right? If we're talking about, you know, you know, cishet relationships. So this is one form of astrology. Then another form of astrology that I do as well that um, people, you know, consult me for is locational astrology or astrocartography about finding places on the planet that um, may be suitable related to their chart. So people ask me like, why are you moving to Santa Fe, New Mexico? Because I, look I looked at the astro cartography and I know what that place can do for me related to my chart. Mm. So these are things that one can do related to like particular cities or places you want to go. So that's another form. There's medical astrology. That is not my expertise, but um, there are you know expert medical astrologers who have studied the correlation between medicine and astrology who can pinpoint particular issues related to what's happening in your body um, and kind of take it from there. There's mundane astrology, which is what we have talked about. Mundane astrology is more so dealing with the world, you know, mundus, you know, the idea of like royalty or, you know, in terms of what's going on with government. Like I've done some of that when I talked about the Pluto return with the United States, you know, so there are some people who really focus in on you know, what's going to be happening with Iran, you know, or what's happening with this in this particular country based on this, this country's chart and what's happening in terms of other traditions that we tie in related to astrology. Um, let me see, there's political astrology, which is another form of mundane astrology. There's psychological astrology. So many people who have come up in the 70s, the 80s, and part of the 90s reading particular astrology books they were exposed to more psychological astrology which is kind of the tie-in related to Jung like as in Carl Jung and then also in terms of um, Sigmund Freud Freudian uh, transactional analysis you know all these different forms of psychology and they matched it with astrology to understand more about the dynamics with your parents and family and things like that so that's also another form of astrology that many people use and then there are different schools of thought, like there's Hellenistic medieval astrology, there's um, more the idea of something called Uranian or symmetrical astrology, which is not about signs as much as the planetary relationships with each other. So there's all these different ways of looking at astrology. There's also something that I see growing on Twitter, but it has a longer tradition, um, especially through Vedic or Indian astrology called sidereal astrology. I've talked about that briefly sidereal astrology is the the viewpoint of using rather than fixing the zodiac related to the sun's turns um on the earth which we correlate the seasons but it's better to look at how it relates to like the tropic of cancer or going toward the tropic of cancer which we call summer but it depends on where you are in the globe right going back to the equator which goes with two signs aries and libra then going to the tropic of capricorn which goes to Capricorn, which is what we call the winter solstice, depending on the globe. So it's not really about seasons as much as the Earth's turn. That's what most people know as astrology related to what we call the tropos or the tropics or tropical astrology. Sidereal astrology bases it on usually one particular star, Chitra or Spica, and then imagines the zodiac in 30 degree increments as it relates to the constellations. Now, when I say as it relates to the constellations, it's not that sidereal astrology is more accurate related to the constellations, but some measure of it, because it focuses on a star, connects somewhat more or connects a little bit to the constellations. When I say connects a little bit, all of them use 30 degree increments, sidereal astrology, tropical astrology. The constellations are not all 30 degrees. You know, so for instance, Virgo and Pisces are huge. Like if we were talking about the sun journeying through Pisces or Virgo, it would be like 40 days, right? As if we were talking about it going through Aries or Capricorn, it would be less than that. If we're talking about it going through Scorpio, it'd be about eight days. So when when many people say, well, Sidereal uses more of the, the constellations and it's really more the actual constellational, that's BS, it's not true. It's not more tied to the constellations as much as tied to a star.
0: So let's get to the mundane. (laughs) All
1: right, what about the mundane? Uh,
0: Are you a mundane astrologist?
1: I do some mundane astrology. I am more a natal astrologer because I like talking to people about them and their charts and what's happening in their lives. Um, I do locational astrology because it's one aspect of it. I missed another form of astrology too, sorry. Um, I do horary um, and another form of astrology that's important. I talked about this a little earlier in the, in the uh, mundane sense, electional astrology. So you can elect, you can have an astrologer elect the most auspicious time related to your wedding. You can have an astrologer elect the time related to when you wanted to send like a particular email, or you want to do a particular application or set up a particular interview. Right. Ideally you can use, what's called electional astrology um, for the time, I would say more so the date related to a surgery. It's tricky to try to do the time because, you know, with surgery, it depends on when they can re- wheel you up into the operating room. But you definitely can avoid days where I would say not to. I can speak about this from my experience. So my recent experience is that, you know, um, when I was sick a few weeks well now a month ago, um, I knew I had a kidney stone right and you know because that's something I had talked about with my doctor and when I knew that I was going into the hospital and had to go to the hospital because I was really sick the moon was in Libra now Libra has an association related to the kidney now it is conventional wisdom in electional astrology that you don't do an operation when the moon is in the sign related to the body part that you want to operate on so When they told me they were going to operate when that moon was in Libra to get that stone out, I was like, Lord, be with me, because that's not necessarily good in terms, you know, I just hope there's no complications. Well, there were complications Complications. and they couldn't get the stone out, right?
0: But you knew that, so you couldn't hold it off because the pain was too much, though.
1: Correct. Mm -hmm. But if I had, you know, didn't have to deal with the pain, I might have said like, okay, wait a few days you know, but I couldn't. But the astrology proved true because they didn't get the stone out that day. So that's just a, you know, a testament related to like what an astrologer can do, you know, if you had some measure of choice. So I was gonna
0: ask you if some of this is self-fulfilling, right? So I believe in intentionality. I believe that you can attract what you think and what what you say, what you write down. I believe that there's power in that word. And so I go to an astrologer, you tell me X, Y, and Z. Now I believe it. And the belief of what you tell me manifests it, not necessarily what you're telling me. How much of that, you know, you've put it out there for people and then they, their spirits and the energy and the universe grabs onto it because they now believe what you tell them? Well,
1: usually I'm looking to put it in, even if they're dealing with a difficult situation, any affirmative. I'm looking for, remember, I told you, fate has two arms and one of them is your own. So my focus is on working that arm. So if they have belief and focus on finding a way that works in their advantage, then I think that's kind of the work, which is like they use some measure, their self-affirming power match with the timing of things. Now, if it's something that becomes negative, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I I talk to them about possibilities related to their relationship where they may be going toward, you know, separation. Now, if they go toward a separation, here's where it's an interesting conundrum, but I don't think it's that deep. You could say like, well, then, you know, if they divorce, you kind of put that in their head. Well, I could only kind of, I could only have fulfilled that or helped them fulfill that if They were inclined to think about divorce. If I'm dealing with a solid couple where it's like, no, that's not happening, it's not going to happen. You know, it's kind of that, you know, this is where people have to recognize, you know, with, with this question about free will and different issues, some measure of it has to exist in you. You know, like, you know, people talk about this with, you know, con artistry and, you know, being a con you know, it's hard to con an honest man, right? So that's where we have to kind of weigh out that if, you know, when we talk about, well, you know, how much of it, you know, did you did the astrologer influence? Well, how much was already in you? Some measure was probably confirmation that you knew you're going toward this particular moment. The astrologer said it even independent of you. And the moment was, you know, Maturing anyway. Okay. So you're, you're you're skeptical about that, but that's a longer conversation.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I'm skeptical about a lot of things. Good. Like I have to be convinced, and once I'm convinced, then it's you know it's. Good. Well,
1: good. I mean, I think skepticism in this work is is good. I think too much belief can be dangerous, actually.
0: Yeah, and I think that for everything, I think people should be cautious in all of the things that you know and and verify double, triple check, you know, when they, in carpentry, they say, you know, measure twice, cut once. You know, I think we should live our lives that way. Uh, So we don't make as many mistakes. But the mundane, we're, we live in America. It is uh, the end of March, 2021. So whenever people see this, they'll see it. Um, America, I believe is on a trajectory. We've talked before, especially during election time and before you've been on my show, talking about where America is going. I believe just based on the signs and studying history a little bit that she's on the, the pathway to a fall. Who is this? America, America, okay. United America. States of America, this, sure. this, this uh, experiment. Yeah. Have you done I a mean,
1: chart? Well, I've looked at many charts. I mean, America is going toward its Pluto return. Um, You know, there's, there's a, a growing number of fissures and you know, like this whole thing that happened on January 6th, you know, one of the problems I have with how the media, our politicians are treating it is as if it's just this incident. Not dealing with it. No, this is this is a, a point of of a movement that could become a greater thing. Um, maybe law enforcement does recognize that, but I don't I don't often see this. And I think it's important to to see that there's this fissure and then there's also in terms of what's happening on the left. And so America really is trying to figure out what she is, who she is, and that's coming to a head. And I think part of what's coming to a head, because you and I I talked briefly about Derek Chauvin and what's happening with him. this is something I keep drilling. You know, one of the key litmus tests barometers for understanding what's going to be happening with America is to keep looking at what's happening with the police.
0: Mm.
1: is to keep looking at what's happening with the police. because the symmetry between how we have been talking about the police, especially over the last 10 years, how that's become much more emphasized, really comes with how we talked about the red coats during the, the American Revolution. you know, in terms of the quartering act, search and seizure. You know, um, you know, we talk so much about oh taxation without representation, without realizing what the colonists really struggled with most was having to deal with a military that didn't respect them on the ground, right in front of them, as a foreign power, right, without their sense of autonomy, which is why Americans created militias in the first place. So, this whole issue related to the police and even American militia, you know, even though these folks who are mainly white creating militia, who I see in many ways as my foes, they're actually dealing with a similar foe and a similar fear related to law enforcement and authority. But we're not having that conversation. So, we have to keep watching the police because they're the barometer. And I'm, I'm not, obviously, you know, those who know me and, you know, especially like larry Daniels and other people, no, I'm not favoring the police. I'm not saying like watch them because you know they're, they're actually, mm, how can I put them? I see them as an occupying power in our neighborhoods.
0: Yeah, and um, so many of us too. The irony is that January six police were the enemy. Mm-hmm. They, few of them, one got beat with a. Uh, got killed with, flag, with an American flag they killed was crushed one? I mean so,
1: but Black Lives Matter is the problem so I mean this
0: is yeah it's complicated right
1: yeah right but you know this is but this is at the heart of it because you know how we are having this encroachment of law enforcement in our lives in various permutations from surveillance to to, I mean, so many different elements in terms of what they can do, you know, where you have broad scopes of authority, where you can have like a university police having as much authority as, you know, municipal police. And just think about all the different forms of police that we have around us,
0: Mm. you
1: know, in terms of governing us.
0: Right, for many black people, we are only seeing it through the lens of Pro and and through, you know, of course- Oh, it's
1: gonna get white people too. That's kind of the thing. What you're saying
0: is that that just like opioids, (laughs) drugs, just like HIV, just like anything.
1: And I've been saying this on Twitter for 11 years. I'm like, they're going to come for you too. You know, I challenged, and then I know we have to go, but I challenged, um, you know, during the the 2012 election um, between Obama and Mitt Romney, I could challenge a conservative and say, you know, when they would talk, you know, because we would talk about Black people being killed by the police. I'm like, okay, you go find me some white people who've been, you know, killed unarmed by the police, right? And I knew you're gonna have you're gonna find about four, four cases, right? I can't do that now. I'm like, oh, you probably can find more. They're gonna, they're gonna keep, they're gonna kill you too, right? And it's not gonna be so much about whether they're black or white in terms of the cops, right? It doesn't matter. You're not them they're creating a whole different, almost level of civilization that doesn't include you. And when I say civilization, I'm not just talking about like, oh, you know, New York City cops. I mean, like in terms of the sense of, you know, whether we're talking about Interpol and the sense of network they have between different senses of brotherhood or around the world, that's not about you. But that does relate to what's happening in terms of the United States and how we are talking about that. I mean. People say, like, well, why are you so focused on them? You should be talking about the law system and the justice system in general. Huh. Attorney generals are, are fearful of the police, right? They won't do certain cases because of the police. Judges, fearful of the police, right? In terms of what's even what's happening in New York City and the relationship between the mayor and the police and what's and what they decide to do. And that whole thing last year, you know, with firecrackers and fireworks going off and the police and this lawlessness, the things that are happening in New York City. You think that's because just of the mayor? It's because of the police. Mm. So there are things happening in this country in the relationship to law enforcement, again, almost like the redcoats and people on the ground that we're not dealing with. And it's not me just saying, just defend the police because I think some part of that is important. It's really talking about as citizens, How are we going to be responsible for each other? Which was the question the first time. When I say first time, I mean 1776.
0: Right, right. Crispus Attucks. It's so- Oh, and Crispus
1: Attucks. Oh, I think I talked to you about that. Crispus Attucks in terms of what happened with him was exact parallel in terms of something with with George Floyd.
0: Yeah, we've talked about that. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So this case, Chauvin going, I feel like they're gonna sacrifice him. To keep the calm.
1: Well, we'll see. They haven't so far, and even when they have, um, it it's not. It's like they're off the force, but you know, it's not necessarily they keep them in the jail. I mean, I think Oscar Grant's murderer may be out now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's it. It really all depends. You know, I think, you know, they're they. You know, police are given a different metric in terms of like what constitutes as, you know, criminal. And I think I read a little bit about the defenses, you know, about Chauvin's um, defense, which is kind of like it was a crowd, you know, kind of distracting him and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, we'll see. I don't have as much faith. I don't, you know, I would like to see maybe, yeah, maybe they sacrifice or maybe there's a sacrifice toward justice, but.
0: I'm asking what do the charts say, Samuel?
1: I haven't looked at it that way
0: okay all right well on yeah
1: that. so that's that's you know but that's a good question but i don't have that yet
0: okay all right well let let, let that be homework okay maybe because i i need us to be prepared for whatever but i need us to be prepared okay please do next listen i appreciate you
1: thank you yeah I
0: love you. you look good i love your your yeah thank your you in garb i love i love your 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 bright smile and mm-hmm. I and I love your, your sensibilities and how well, thank you,
1: you Karen for glowing like light, light. That's wonderful. Thank you.
0: Well, I will see you next week.
1: Inshallah. All right. All right. Bye everybody.